0: From LAS Studios, this is Servant of Pod. I'm Nick Kwa. We're coming to you with a bonus drop today because there's been a pretty big development that has a ton of ramifications for the podcast industry. And we'll get to that after the break. Last night, the Wall Street Journal reported that Stitcher, one of the oldest podcast-specific companies, is being sold by Scripps to the satellite radio giant XM for around $300 million. We talked about the possibility of this in last week's news segment, when a report in the information confirmed that Scripps was shopping Stitcher around. I should say, this is the largest podcast deal we've seen yet. In my view, Stitcher had been in a bit of a tough spot. They do a bit of everything content creation, ad sales, they have an app, which is a complicated position to be in in 2020 when you have substantially larger companies like Spotify and iHeartMedia also trying to do everything and are able to easily outspend you on deals. To help think through this development, we brought back Caroline Crampton, Hotpods UK writer. Hey, Caroline. Hello. First question What's the significance of this sale?
1: I think its size is pretty significant and I think as well what it represents about the moment we're in at the moment. Extreme consolidation, it feels like.
0: Yeah, and Stitcher for the longest time had been this interesting end-to-end company. And nowadays, like when everything is super hyper-corporatized and you can't really compete unless you have a lot of money, you probably don't have a really clear path to do very much. So this kind of strikes me as almost like an inevitable outcome. Do you feel the same way?
1: Yeah, that that sounds fair to me. I think I could see a pathway for Stitcher maintaining its position, but I couldn't necessarily see a pathway for them to grow, as you say, with these really big spending, massive companies coming in above them, as it were. So I suppose this deal does provide a path for... The entities within Stitcher, the various sort of constituent networks like Earwolf and the My Favourite Murder People and so on, it gives them a path to growth that maybe they didn't have in its previous incarnation.
0: Absolutely. And I think it's sort of worth noting that Stitcher for the past couple of years, at least since uh, Spotify started making its major acquisitions, I think its big sort of differentiating point was its robust ad sales force. I don't think there was any other company in the market that had that depth of history and expertise. And so it, it does feel like at the very least, Sirius XM is picking up a sales force that nobody else has. And that kind of, to me, feels like one of the main points of this sale.
1: I think that's a really good point. I think that there's a depth of experience with Stitcher's institution and also some of the people there that a lot of companies that have got into podcasting very quickly and very recently just don't have.
0: What do you think this means for the way we should think about SiriusXM? So SiriusXM is the major satellite radio company. They also own Pandora. They recently made another podcast acquisition in Simplecast, which is kind of a a back-end hosting technology platform company. This feels like a deal now, think later kind of thing. I am not sure how they're going to manage all those different brands at the same time, which suggests uh, at the very least that there will be some changes coming to Stitcher, at least in the medium future, I think.
1: Yeah, I think that, as I think we said last week, Stitcher is fairly unusual these days in being a kind of end-to-end podcast operation. They have that ad sales element, but they also have a pretty, you know, reasonably used app. They also have the content and they have some pretty decent IP in there as well. So they sort of had a little bit of everything. And since SiriusXM already owns all those other things, as you said, it's kind of hard to see how they're not now duplicating some of that.
0: So Stitcher has been, historically, when I've spoken to a lot of podcasters in the past, for the most part, they've been good partners. They've been sort of really agreeable, non-hyper-aggressive corporate partners in their sort of creative collaborations with creators. I, to me, that I feel like that's going to be a really interesting canary in a coal mine to see whether Stitcher's culture will change as a result of this new ownership. But what are the other things that you will be watching moving forward about the way the sale will affect Stitcher?
1: That's definitely a big thing. Um, Stitcher does have that reputation for being the good guys, if, if you want to put it that way.
0: <laughs> Which is but, ironic because they used to be, I feel like they used to be the sort of like symbol of corporatization in right, podcasting, yeah. like in 2017.
1: If you were a comedian and you were selling out, you did it with, with Stitcher. Totally. And obviously, that's changed quite a lot, uh, given the other acquisitions and so on that we've seen. I do think that the path that SiriusXM eventually works out for themselves is really, really important to watch out for. Are they going to join Spotify and iHeartMedia in this sort of big race to buy up exclusive content? Are we going to see more Joe Rogan type deals, which is not traditionally something that Stitch has really gone for, those really, really big money talent acquisitions. But with that power behind them, is, is that now the strategy?
0: I think that's. I think it's inevitable. I think that's definitely a strategy because SiriusXM fundamentally is in the sort of radio talent business. Their strategy is to throw sort of money at big name talent. Howard Stern being sort of like their their sort of diamond uh, in the in the set there, and so it does feel like this. At the very least, we will see that kind of competition from SiriusXM in these sort of quote unquote higher end deal making processes.
1: I also think there's something interesting that we should watch out for with the branding. With these all these different existing companies that they've now acquired, Simplecast has probably less name recognition than Stitcher, but not none. Is Stitcher going to continue as the SiriusXM podcast division or does it become SiriusXM podcasts? I think is interesting.
0: What do we gain and what do we lose from this as consumers?
1: I think there is going to be a bit of a, is this the end of the old podcasting times? You know, the sense that, as you say, Stitcher was once upon a time, a big player in a small pond, and there was something maybe sort of benevolent feeling about that. (laughs) Um, uh, If you think back to a time of podcasting's self-image, at least, as a kind of DIY, bootstrapping, scrappy industry, Stitcher, I think, was the helping hand reaching down to some of those people to sort of help them level up. So I do think there's going to be some nostalgia and feeling that we have lost something there in that Stitcher is now just part of another massive corporation. And that completely changes the culture of any deals that they might do. In terms of what this might be the beginning of, or what we might gain, I think for a certain type of person, and I'm thinking mostly celebrities, influencers, sports stars, that kind of thing. Mm. I think the market for their podcast just heated up
0: once again. So, so just gets even more competitive for people who already have power and value.
1: I do think that that's, you know, what we've seen already is that, uh, you know, celebrity podcasts do seem to be a first stop for a lot of these companies.
0: Right, the prime beneficiaries of these arrangements. Um, mm. I, my sense is what we are losing that is... You know that's kind of unique. Um, is I think we're losing sort of what feels like a middle class company. Um, I think there's an interesting argument to make that you can't really stop this kind of corporatization from happening, especially when a space heats up and gets more popular and just becomes more valuable to advertisers and creators and and people with money in general. But what you would want at the very least is a company that's robust, that's able to build mid-sized shows sustainably and to serve that part of the creative market. That's not to say that there aren't companies already doing that pretty well. I think arguably sort of Maximum Fun and HeadGum are two networks that are still very much independent and still very much serving a certain kind of quote-unquote middle-class show. But Stitcher used to be, I think, one that felt like it was able to build projects that you would think would be kind of quirky or, you know, they, they sort of pursued projects that aren't obvious uh, from a sort of you know corporate media standpoint I, it's sort of an interesting thing to lose at this point in podcasting's sort of history to me, it also sort of opens up the opportunity for another company to sap into this this week i also am I'm sort of saying this out loud i'm thinking that we're we're talking about it as if it's the end of stitcher. Do you think it's the end of this kind of company
1: I don't think it's the end of this company, I mean, it'll continue in some form under the much bigger umbrella of SiriusXM. I do think whether they choose to keep the brand name is an important Hmm. point actually towards what you're saying, because if they're even going to try and continue with that kind of sort of middle to large role, as it were, then they've built up a lot of goodwill under the name Stitcher. So it might well be worth keeping if that's the play. But (laughs) yeah, I think it is a developing problem in podcast actually this this missing middle we've written about it quite a bit in hot pod before about if you're not a small show but you're also not a massive one where is your natural home these days what's your natural monetization direction and all this kind of stuff it does feel a bit like there's still some space there
0: before we wrap up there was a another piece of news that's worth tracking because it's i think it's fairly important here um There's been some commotion happening at WNYC, and I believe you've been tracking it a little more closely than I have. Could you walk us through that story, Caroline?
1: Yeah, so this in recent times has its origins in the appointment of a new editor-in-chief for WNYC, who is Audrey Cooper, who joins from the San Francisco Chronicle. But this actually has roots way back, going back years now, 2017, there was a big Shake up at the station uh, that ultimately ended up in the departure of New York Public Radio President Laura Walker. There were lots of harassment allegations, bullying allegations, some top talent left the station. And after that, there was a real reckoning there. You know, there was apparently an internal, lots of internal discussion and investigation, particularly employees of color and black employees contributing to listening exercises and so on to try and turn the thing around and get a better uh, better leadership going forward. There's now been a letter sent to the trustees and management of the station, signed by 145 employees, calling on them to fulfil the promise of diverse leadership, which they don't feel that Audrey Cooper's appointment does. The reasons for that they state being that, firstly, she's white, Secondly, she doesn't have a sort of radio or audio background. She's really a print journalist. And also, she's not particularly rooted in New York. You know, she's joining from the West Coast. And so for all of those reasons, staff are expressing their disappointment that they've taken part in these years-long processes just to feel like they're getting more of the same.
0: So what it does feel like is that? It's emblematic of what feels like a performative process in which the sort of leadership and uh, structure and management structure, you know, engages in these listening sessions and basically tries to engage in these what feels like acts of appeasement to the workers within an institution who are advocating for better outcomes for the institution, while at the end of the day doing something that feels like it does not actually draw from those inputs at all. and so you know, what's further complicated about this is the fact that there, that in that letter, I think there was no sort of clear set of reforms or clear set of outcomes that's being demanded. At least that's my understanding. And so I, I feel like I have a bit of confusion as to how this will move forward effectively for all parties.
1: Yeah, that that's pretty much where it's at. The letter doesn't go as far as to call for, you know, Cooper to step down from the job before she's even really taken it up or anything like that. It's really just a statement of dissatisfaction with how what felt like it was supposed to be a productive internal process has right. not been. And so the employees have gone public with with that in a, in an attempt to get some kind of action. What that action's going to be though, I don't think we can really say yet.
0: Well, uh big weekend news. Thanks so much for joining us Caroline.
1: Thanks very much for having me.
0: Servant of Pod is a production of Alias Studios. In keeping with the theme, we have a new episode coming out tomorrow where I talk with Hank Green about big money in podcasting. Which, you know, great timing.